0: Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly, Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Trevor McNulty continues our series of messages on 1 Peter, today looking at chapter 1, verses 3 through 21. And now, here's Trevor. Good morning. Thank you, Praise Team, for centering our hearts and minds on on you this morning. Let's open in prayer. Dear Lord, we just thank you for who you are. Lord, we just thank you that you have come and saved us and have provided salvation for a creation that you could have just wiped out and said, I'll just start over. But no, you didn't do that. You loved us. You came for us. You gave us a way to reconcile to you, and Lord, we just thank you so much for that, and we just thank you that uh, you sent your Son Jesus for us, and that uh, that we uh, are a part of you in your body in your heavenly kingdom as a result of the works you have done. And Lord, we just thank you for that. And pray that you'll guide us this morning, help us to to see you in your uh, in your full glory, and uh, that we go forth. Every day, and uh, seeking to know you more, and to please you more, and learn about you more. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> so this morning we'll be in First Peter. Um, so if you want to put a little marker there, you can. But we're gonna we're gonna be going through lots of different scriptures, and um, but hopefully. Uh, will uh, be able to to come to a uh, a place of a full understanding this morning. Now, to have salvation in Christ, it is my belief you must understand the full story. You must have the complete gospel. Crazy enough, there are people out there who say you can you can just have the end part. That you can if uh, salvation, believing in Jesus and His raised and work, and the, that He died and rose again, is basically they'll just kind of stop it there. But that to me, that's an incomplete thought. That's an incomplete gospel. You you got there's so much richness in understanding the whole. Now, understanding that Jesus lived, died, and rose again is an essential doctrine that must exist in every believer's personal beliefs and every church's personal beliefs. You cannot get away with that. There's no exceptions to that. If you don't have that, you are not a church of God. But what I'm saying is, it has to go further. You have to have the well-rounded, completed story. You have to understand that the, the, the story didn't start in the New Testament. There is a lot of years in history prior to that, that when you understand it, you will understand how insane and how amazing God's plan for salvation is and how wonderful of a Lord and God we serve. There is multiple aspects to our God. Let's try and focus and to understand our Lord and Savior as a whole. Now, as John MacArthur said, If you don't know what he looks like, you will never find him. So that is kind of a little bit of a premise of what we're going to have in our back of our minds this morning. That if you don't know what he looks like, you will never find him. So our goal is to find him, correct? So who are we looking for? That is the question. So as I kind of alluded to, if you have a book series with 66 books in it, and you start at book 40, you'll be very confused as to who is the protagonist, who is the antagonist, what is the setting, who are the people, what is going on, and why does it have to go on? Why do these events, what, what, what is the significance to these things, what is happening here? So the Bible is no different than jumping into a book series of fiction halfway through or three-quarters of the way through. This is a even more intricate than that. There is so much going on. So what did Peter have to say about the full story? In 2 Peter, he tells us to watch out for false teachers, teachers that would take away the truth of the Lord and misguide our understanding. Now, after we're done first Peter, I'm not sure if we're going to Second Peter, I think we are. So we're gonna leave that for that. But there's a thought of that where Peter's saying, when you have teachers and preachers who are who are discounting stuff of the old, watch for that. And we have to understand the whole. Now, today, as I said, we're in First Peter. That's great news because we're walking through the text. Of a first-hand eyewitness to the things that have happened. There's not second-hand information here. Now Peter says in Second Peter one sixteen, "For we did not make it known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, following cleverly devised myths, being eyewitnesses, but sorry, but being eyewitnesses of His Majesty. For when He received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance was this." as this was made, to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven and when we, when we were with him on the holy mountain. And, when, sorry, and we have more sure the prophetic word, to which you do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes by one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by the will of man, but men being moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Peter had three years with Jesus eyewitnessing all sorts of events and miracles, such as the transfiguration of Christ. Even with all that, Peter and his apostles and the what they witnessed, they understood who he was when they recognized what the scriptures said about him. They put the whole package together. So when Jesus asked Peter and the disciples in Luke 9, he said, Who do you say I am? Peter says this, The Christ of God. He made that strong Declaration not solely based on what he had witnessed to that point, but based upon that what he saw matched what was foretold. And that's how he would recognize the Christ. So, hence the quote from John MacArthur that if you don't know what he looks like, you'll never find him. He might have thought he found an amazing person a cool guy, maybe a new prophet. He wouldn't have thought I f- that this is the Christ. And that is found by understanding the whole. So the Old Testament says of him, in Deuteronomy 1815 15-19, Yahweh, your God, will rise up for you, a prophet like me from among you, your brothers. You shall listen to him. This is according to all that you have asked of Yahweh, your God, in Harob on the day of your assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of Yahweh my God. Let me not see this great fire any more, or I will die. And Yahweh said to me, They have spoken well. I will rise up a prophet from among their brothers like you. I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak them all that I have commanded him. And it will be that whatever... Will, sorry, and it will be that whoever will not listen to my words which he shall speak in my name, I myself shall require it of him. That was eight, Deuteronomy 1815 to 19. In Psalm 40 six to eight it says, "Sacrifices and meal offerings you have not desired." My ears you have opened, burnt offerings and sin offerings you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is written in my inner being. That is speaking of the one to come. Do we recognize him yet? I put together a collection of writings uh, before, and I thought it was appropriate here today. These, these come from Zechariah, Psalms, Isaiah, and Exodus, and if you want the, uh, the verses and stuff later, just come see me and I can email you, but uh, for today, there's just, there's just a lot. So, we'll just we're just going to look at this collection as it is, and see if we recognize him. My people hear my teaching, listen to my words in my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter things hidden, things from old. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, Make straight in the desert a highway for our God, every valley shall be raised up, and every ma- uh, mountain and hill made low. a rough ground shall become level, and a rugged plain uh, the rugged place is a plain. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit in him, he will bring justice to the nations, he will shout not uh, he will not shout or cry out. Or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teachings the islands will put their hope. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My mouth is dried up like potsherd. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircle me, they pierce my hands and my feet, they divide my clothes among them, and they cast out lots for my garments. Into your hands I commit my spirit, deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. Because of all my enemies, I am in utter contempt of my neighbors and an object in dread of my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me, even my closest friends, some someone I trusted, who I shared my bread has turned against me they put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst i clothe the heavens with the darkness make and make sackcloth its covering the sovereign lord has given me a well instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary he wakens but me by morning wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed the sovereign lord has opened my ears i have not been rebellious i have not turned away I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pull out my beard, I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. I will not die, but I will live, and will proclaim that what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastised me severely, but he has not given me over to death. That is all from the Old Testament. That is so do we recognize him yet? How amazing. You, it sounds and seems like we're reading New Testament verses as we go through that. So the thing is, now that we recognize him, why did he come? John, 1 John 3.8 says, The one who does sin is the devil. Because the devil sins from the beginning, the Son of God was manifested for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. And that was prophesied in Genesis 3.15 that he would come to destroy the devil, the evil one. So, in 1 Peter, he is our living hope. That is the theme of this section of 1 Peter that we're going to be going through this morning. So keep that in mind. Thank you, Eve. <laughs> I knew I'd fall asleep at the switch. Um, so, things I want us to keep in the back of our mind here is: what does it mean that he's are living hope? What do we do with that? And what is that hope? So we're going to read through first Peter to those who reside as exiles scattered throughout Pontius and Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, those who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of the God, the Father, by sacrificing or sorry by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to the obedience of Jesus Christ and the sprinkling of his blood, may the grace Peace and grace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, to obtain an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and unfading, having been kept in, in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith. For a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time? In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and though you do not see him now, But you believe in Him. You rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, inquiring to know what time or what kind of time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicated as he was predicting the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you in these things which now have been declared to you though through those who proclaim the gospel to you by the holy spirit sent from heaven things which angels long to look There's a couple words I'd like to highlight there First off living hope obedience Obtaining an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, and unfading. Salvation. The Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. The prophets through the Holy Spirit, as we read previously and looked at previously, showed us who to look for so that we would be able to recognize Him, not of man, totally and utterly through the Holy Spirit. These writings in the Old Testament, like I said, sound near the New Testament because the Holy Spirit is constantly weaving through everything and guiding and directing the whole package. The authors were hundreds and hundreds of years apart from each other, but that doesn't matter to God. God's message is cohesive and beautiful. A picture of Christ. When Peter said, you are the Christ of God, that is why he could say that with such confidence. Is because everything matched. He saw the picture being completed in Jesus Christ. So as we said earlier with that quote from John MacArthur, if you don't know what he looks like, you'll never find him. But then the same is true that you can say that if you know what he looks like, you won't miss recognizing him. Let's be those people. That's our challenge. That if we know who we're looking for, we will not miss recognizing him. So moving forward in verse 13. Therefore, having girded your minds for action, being sober in spirit, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children, not being conformed to the former lust which you were in, uh, sorry, that, which were yours in your ignorance, but like the holy one who called you to be holy yourselves also in all your conduct, because it is written. You shall be holy, for I am holy. Actually, judges, according to each one's conduct, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your sojourn, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from futile conduct inherited by, from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of the Lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. He was foreknown before the foundations of the world, but appeared in these last times for your sake through him who are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So if we take a a look at this in the light of well, if we look at all scripture in this light, but if we look at this specifically this morning in the light of Second Timothy three sixteen, that all scripture is God breathed and profitable for teaching, reproof, and correction and training in righteousness, it is absolutely no coincidence that these verses are surrounded by the point of foreknowledge. The passage starts and ends with the discussion of foreknowledge, the foreknowledge of God, the foreknowledge revealed to us in the scriptures according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, for he was foreknown before the foundation of the world. That's a lot of foreknowledge. And that is, everything is planned. Every sentence, every word, every paragraph, full of purpose, full of divine truth. And that should give us crazy amounts of confidence. But if we just zero in a little bit on the living hope. God, uh, sorry, in uh, verse 3 it says, be, uh, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is sent according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. So, what is this living hope? To me, it's a twofold thing. It is a man and it's a promise found in the man. If we don't believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior, you have no living hope. If Jesus Christ didn't come to provide us the promise and carry it out, we also have no living hope. You have to have both. The living hope is a secure promise to the true believer that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you have an internal inheritance, That you saw that earlier, that we share with him by his grace, love and mercy to an undeserving creation. This inheritance is uncorruptible, undefiable and unfading. Having been kept for you in heaven, the everlasting eternity that we are looking forward to spending with our Lord Jesus in heaven. Jesus tells us in John 14 that he goes forward to prepare a place for us. That is part of this living hope that we have to look forward to. This living hope is a completed story from Genesis to Revelation that the scriptures speak of. This living hope is found by placing your faith in the one whom God sent but what is the purpose of sending Jesus? Now, if you would take a peek at verses 20 to 21. The New Testament church, we need to pay attention to this because sometimes uh, there's certain preachers or uh, teachers and churches that just, we just, uh, I know I've been under the teaching before and that's why I pointed out that it's too focused on the new and it's almost like forget the old but what does what does this verse have to say we have to pay attention to this he says he was foreknown before the foundation of the world but appeared in these last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in god who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in god jesus points everything always back to the father into God. The living hope points us back to God the Creator whom all things were made for and through to restore humanity to Himself that was promised from the first moments of our failures. It's amazing. Let's have this full picture. Holy Spirit God and Jesus all together. Our faith As we see in these verses, they discuss the trials that will be faced. It's, it's kind of part of the promise. <laughs> it's part of the package. That is also the full picture. It's not going to be easy. Trials will come. These trials bring forth the proof of your faith being refined by the fires bringing forth the salvation of your souls confirming it and it says though we have not seen him we love him though we have don't see him now we believe in him bringing him praise and honor and glory Throughout all things, through all the trials, all the stuff that comes up. Through this, we must be obedient. Obedient children is what we're called to become to our Lord. This obedience shouldn't be a part of what we get from God. But what is naturally stirred in our hearts because of this salvation, because of this living hope now living inside of us, what we are stirred to give because we must, because we love Him, we want to serve Him. And it's not, what do we get? Again, that's the temptation of some churches to focus on, what do we get? It's not about that. Uh, the apostles, disciples, they understood that. They got death, nasty death. Not. We are our promises of glories and wonderful things to come aren't promised on this side of eternity. They are promised in glory. But on this side, we're we're more we're more promised trials than anything else. We don't want a selfish faith. We want a solid, sacrificial faith that will produce things greater than gold. As it says in these verses, you shall be holy for I am holy. That is a quote from Leviticus 11.45. But that is a theme throughout all of the Old Testament that is very prevalent God is holy. He demands his people also to pursue holiness. We must pursue holiness. If you are evil or have evilness in you, you are not connected to God. You don't have the living hope in you because Jesus and God, the Holy Spirit, are not evil They cannot exist in someone who is evil. We need to be speaking out holiness and obedience and the evilness that once existed in our hearts, in our minds. Once we have been made part of Christ, that that must be gone. If that still exists, there's a serious examination that needs to happen. Now, failures and sin don't necessarily equal evilness. But we, that's part of the sanctification journey that you must be moving towards. But for the Holy Spirit, the true living God to be in you, evilness cannot be there. We must have a natural desire to act like our, like our Lord, our Master, and emulate His holiness. Not as a result of us, but as a result of who we're attached to. Being obedient in this culture is completely counter-cultural and extremely difficult to do. So if we look like the culture, or if our goal is to blend in more to the culture, put the brakes on, please, and understand Jesus Christ looks nothing like the culture. Believing in Him and serving Him and what He asks of us, is completely counter-cultural. And this holiness is would separate us, make us stand apart from this culture and will be a lamp to the feet of those who are looking for the Lord, a lighthouse that they can find and come to so we can point them in the direction of the one who saves. So in verse 13, it says therefore preparing your minds for action and being sober minded set your hope on fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Christ Informed to the passions of your former ignorance but as he who is called you holy you also uh, be holy in all your conduct since it is written you shall be holy for i am holy and if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds. Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood like that of a lamb without a blemish or a spot. So I pray that today we see how things all point back to God the Father. As Jesus himself said, in your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself. The Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, Therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you knew my father also. And that is in John eight seventeen to 19 I pray that we see the scriptures as a whole, and dive into them as a whole so we can see our amazing Savior who is our living hope. And we approach the scriptures with total belief in what it says, as obedient children, and allow God to reveal Himself in all of His forms on a daily basis so that we can proclaim with total confidence that the living hope we have is found in Jesus Christ. As I pray I like to call the group forward. Dear Lord, we just thank you that you are our living hope. Lord, I just pray that you will just sanctify us and bring us to that place of the holiness that you require and desire. Lord, it's a it is so difficult But with you, anything is possible. And Lord, we just want to—we want to be your church. We want to be your people. And Lord, you know our struggles and our our inabilities. But Lord, you are so much bigger than all those things. And Lord, we just pray that you would just just take control of of our lives and our hearts and our and this church and make all for your glory. And that um, that we just put aside self and just just seek you out fully as obedient children who just love you more than we can express because we don't fully understand how amazing you are. So we can't ever express how amazing you are. And Lord, uh, we just know that you are totally amazing and want to know you more every day and can't wait till eternity when we just see just all the things we've missed. And all the th- things that we are going to just shake our heads at and say, wow, you blow our minds, you blow us away, and you are creator God. Amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you are in the Timmins area, or drop us a line at info at Until next time.